From Walt Disney Pictures, he's a hotshot attorney who's never lost. Yes. Forced to coach a hockey team that's never won. Keep swinging. Maybe I'll give him a cold. He'll try to teach them how to win. You think losing is funny? Well, not at first, but once you get the hang of it. And they'll teach him. Get off the roof, you little monkey. That winning isn't everything. Let's have fun out there. Walt Disney Pictures presents Emilio Estevez. Are we ducks or what? The Mighty Ducks. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. are back. This is Pop Season 2 brought to you by Classic, Classic Auctions. I'm your host, Eric, and I'm joined this season by my new co-host. You might know him from the KNC Masterpiece or just because he's better than you, Mr. Kevin Hagelin. What's up, Kevin? Oh, how's it going? I am excited you are here, sir. You should be. I should be. Got that sexy juice going. We're all looking good here. Uh, Brandon, your young son, is in the room as we record this. We're having a lot of fun. Today, uh, we're, we're going to bring you in this. this is, I know this is season one for you, but season two, really. And we're going to talk about hockey movies this season. And we're going to start with a classic from our youth, The Mighty Ducks. This movie rules. I know we'll get into more of the specifics as we go along, but sure. I just want everyone to know where I stand right at the forefront. This movie is awesome. This movie uh, is very, very good. Uh, it's It rides that sheen power that was it was right on that that charlie sheen martin sheen uh emilio estevez groove right right there in the late 80s early 90s man you had young guns mm-hmm. you had men at work yes. i love men at work i know people think <laughs> that movie sucks but so and you were just coming off for at least for charlie sheen major league mm-hmm. that family was freaking dominating uh cadence i love cadence it's a very underrated right. film but uh, it had Martin and Charlie in it. Emilio got left out. Minute Work, again, going back to that, what a great movie. I know people are like, that movie's no good, <laughs> but like, watch it. If you're just looking for something fun, it'll kill an hour and a half. That movie is fun. It is a lot of, lot of fun. Since we're talking star power, let's go ahead and, and, and talk about the cast in the film. We had, we had Charlie Sheen, and outside of that, there wasn't much... There, uh, Joss Acklin was in it. Oh, he plays Emilio Huff. Estevez. You said Charlie I, I Sheen. said Charlie Sheen. Get it together. Gosh darn it. Emilio Estevez uh, played Gordon Bombay, and Joss Acklin played Hans. Lane Smith is a, a good character actor. You guys might know as Coach Riley. But uh, outside of that, the younger cast, we didn't really know yet. But they've, like, several of them have blown up since then. But you're right. At the time, okay, what do you know What do you know, Josh Ac- Joss Acklin from? Uh Nothing. <laughs> okay. This is what you should know him from. All right. He is uh, Denopolis, the main bad guy from uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. That's what I should know him from. That's what you should know him from, because I know that some people, like, they, they don't like that movie. It's an excellent sequel. It really <laughs> is. In Bill and Ted 3, it's going to get made now. But, yeah, so Josh, Josh Acklin, who, by the way, just disappears from the second movie and his cousin or whatever is in sure. it, and then he comes back for the third one, that's some bull crap. Right. Uh, but, yes, he was the main bad guy from the Bill and Ted sequel. That That's what I, I guess I so should I know I feel like from. you need to know that. I guess if we ever get to that point in props where we're, we're looking at Bill and Ted, 
it'll I'm come in. back up then, right? I'm in. When You're the in. third one comes out, we need to do a special short season of yes, Bill and Ted. We should do that. Uh, Joshua Jackson is also in this of uh, that stupid kid drama that they had during the 90s. What was that with... Uh, Da 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 with Percy in it. And oh, Jason. you shut your <laughs> mouth when you said stupid. I assume you were talking about something else because I know you're not talking about Dawson's Creek. I am talking about Man, the Creek of Dawson. Whatever. <laughs> that show was awesome. And I'll tell you why I like that show. Is my life is usually very drama free. So I supplement mm. it with TV drama. Okay. And so I watched Dawson's Creek so I could experience those people's drama because my life, I was like keeping it away. Sure. And all right, if we're going to talk about drama, though, we got to jump right to Sean Weiss, don't we? Who played Goldberg? The goalie. <sighs> talk about some drama, especially recently, right? He got popped for some drinking issues, but worse than that, mm-hmm. his mugshot. Mm. Holy crap! If you're listening to this right now and you're like, "Well, I don't know what it looks like," well, you need to multitask. If you're watching this on Facebook Live, you need to multitask and just type in Sean Weiss mugshot. Yes, it is sad. It is very, very sad. He is not. He, he he's got to be our age, Kevin, and he looks sad. Yes. He looks like he's. 65 years old yes. and a junkie. Like, yes. I don't know what his other problems are, but if you just look at him, you would think he's a 60-year-old drug user. Right. It's really, really bad. It is really, really bad. And then let's go to the uh, Crim de la Crim here on the, of, the, of the children in the film, Eldon Henson, who of, of late is famous because of Daredevil. Exactly. I just came to that realization I and like at the end of season one of Daredevil, <laughs> which is a quality show. Defenders, right? yeah. not so great. Yeah, not so bad. Uh, or not so good. But I didn't realize it. And the, the weird thing about that is he is so small as mm-hmm. an adult. Mm-hmm. And when... Uh, and in the movies, you know, he played Fulton, like Fulton, right. larger in life, beat everybody down. He's a gigantic person. As a as a normal, as an adult, he is tiny. Foggy. Froggy. Is Foggy. Foggy, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, he is he is quite small. Uh, Fulton Reed, throughout the D3, the Ducks trilogy, was this massive person. Yes. And now he is just kind of, hey, there's Foggy. Yeah, it's weird. Is that weird? I I didn't even realize that was the same person until I was talking to our producer on our show, Colby. Yeah. Uh, Shameless KNC, 7-Eleven, Central, <laughs> weekdays on the fan. What's up, Colby? Uh, is we were talking about it, I was like, did you realize that's the same guy? And we had this whole conversation about it because I had no idea. It looks like he is the same size right. now mm-hmm. as he was... In, in the nineteen ninety two, yes, <laughs> wild. In nineteen ninety two, Foggy was a badass, and now he's just. Yeah, I mean, I do like the Foggy character on Daredevil, <laughs> right. but he's just like a lot smaller. And then one more name I want to bring up: Brandon Quinton Adams. Uh, I. This is a kid that probably should have blown up and been something bigger. He was in Sandlot. He was. Uh, he was in this. He was in People Under the Stairs. He was in D2 and D3. And then now he's just kind of not there anymore. He got tired of child acting. But uh, it, it's a name that he had He had the look. He could have been something. Now, what's interesting about this is because I guess I didn't realize this at the time. So Brandon played Jesse. Yes. And his brother or his cousin, Terry. Yeah. Is played by uh, Juicier Smollier, okay. probably saying that name all wrong, <laughs> who is currently on Empire. Ah. And 
I didn't realize that was the same kid until we were getting ready for this. Like most of the rest of this, I knew it was foggy and I, I, sure, you know, sure. I knew the evil coach was in son-in-law and I knew that the mentor was in Bill and Ted's bogus journey. I had no freaking clue <laughs> that Terry went on to be the dude in empire. Who's an amazing singer actually. And he's really good on that show, but yeah, you, I mean, and we'll note if we get to Mighty Ducks 2 is there was more carryover mm -hmm. with the Mighty Ducks cast and the Sandlot. Sure. Because I'm pretty sure that yes. you had the carryover with Benny the Jet. Right. So, exactly, exactly. Who, he's fallen on hard times. Has well. he as well? Yeah. That's no good. All right, budget. Don't, don't be a child actor. <laughs> yeah, just don't be a child actor. Budget for this, uh, for this was an estimated $10 million. Opening weekend, it did... More than good on that. It it made six million. It's it's opening weekend. And people, we have to point out, like in 1992, your movie didn't begin and end with just the opening weekend. Sure, like, it could keep going for quite some time. Exactly. Uh, overall gross in the USA, fifty million, fifty point seven million. So it made five times its budget. It's made in the five US? times. I think that's a that's a win, right? Oh heck yeah, that's a win. I bet it tore up the home video market it, too. Yeah, must have. I absolutely had the clamshell. Of course. Uh, the clamshell case with the VHS in it. As Disney uh, was known for Absolutely. then, right? Absolutely. All right. So let's let's look back. Let's take a look back. Where were you when you first saw this film? Do you do you remember? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so I live in Garland now okay. on the south side. When I grew up, I grew up on the north side of Garland, right on the Richardson border. All right. And when I was a kid, there was nothing, nothing happening bigger in my world than the Richardson Six movie theater sure. that was connected to the Richardson Square Mall. Sure. And so whether it was the original Batman, Necessary Roughness, Dick Tracy, or Mighty Ducks, I definitely got it there, and then I definitely saw it again at the Dollar Movies at the Walnut Twin, which is still there in Garland, and it looks like it hasn't been changed one bit since the 1990s. Is the floor still sticky? Oh, yeah. it's. <laughs> I mean, it's a heck of a value, but it's uh, not the cleanest place in the world. So, yeah, I was in the theater for Mighty Ducks because 92, I was like 12, and so this movie was geared towards me. You know, sure. like I was in sixth grade, seventh grade, and that's about how old these kids were and so I was like wow these kids are coming up in the world and so this movie came out like right when I was that age and so I was all about this movie so for me I I can distinctly remember going to Family Video in Springtown Texas okay. and picking this up and hey, Family Video is still alive and kicking it by the still way. is uh, in, the, in the shell I remember getting it from yeah. there and uh, taking it home and if you've listened to this podcast before you know that I come from an ensemble cast if you will in that I had five brothers and sisters. Uh, there's eight total of us, actually, with step-siblings and everything. Wow. So uh, we could have filled it at least one line uh, on, on the ice. So uh, as we as we look to uh, this film, we had a great time uh, watching it at home. Do you think that was the goal with the extra kids, is that you were mm -hmm. going to build a, some sort of sports team? Uh we we lived in rural, rural Texas, so yeah. the goal was to not dad not have to mow the lawn. Sure, that's that's what it was. But it, this was a, I, this was a great family movie that I can vividly remember my mother bringing it home from family video, and we would sit we sat around and and watch dinner. Then I, I actually I remember it so much so that my sister my younger sister Crystal was so enthralled with what was going on in the screen. Princess, our cocker spaniel, ate the hot dog off her plate. Oh no! Yes, wow. that happened. 
All right. Hey, you got to pay attention. <laughs> Animals are crafty. They are crafty. She was quiet. She ate that whole hot dog, and, and Crystal just just staring at it. Did so? Did she eventually look down and realize what had happened, or <laughs> did she just forget about the hot dog altogether? Yeah, she actually she did because I remember uh, pops. Hey, Crystal, what's going on? Why you pay attention to your food? And by that time, Princess was licking her lips, and it was over. Yeah, it was, it was done. Yeah, no, <laughs> those dogs are crafty. <laughs> Uh, do you remember, so who, who might have introduced you to this film? Was this something that you sought out on your own, or did your mom say, hey, let's go see this? Or? No, 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 no. Because, like, so my sister and I, my sister's about three years younger than me. Okay. We were the people who were pushing what we saw on the TV, advertising, super effective. I understand how the sure. DVR has destroyed the advertising market because, <laughs> you know, one of the things that I always say about my son is the fact that you live in a world where you don't have to watch commercials sure. and you don't understand how huge a deal that is, it boggles the mind. And so my mom, she was a single mom, and so she was working, had to get the house for us, you know, and everything like that. And so she worked really hard, and she worked at times really long hours. And so we were the ones who were feeding her the uh, pop culture things. Okay. Like, so she wouldn't usually come to us, except for that time she took us to the New Kids on the Block concert. It was about the same era. What's up? Right. Uh, and so we were pushing, and so, you know, you saw it was a movie about kids, and... I fall into this trap with my son sometimes is if it's a movie about kids or geared for kids, sure. I just assume he'll want to see it, Okay, which is not the case right. all the time now, especially with Netflix and Hulu and everything like exactly. that. But back then, God, how old do I sound? Back then, you'd only get a kid's movie you know, every other month or sure. whatever, maybe. And so when a movie about kids or for kids came out, you are going to go see it. And so me and my sister were like, you got to take us to see this movie called The Mighty Ducks. So... To the Richardson Six, we went. There you go. Uh, again, as I said, we, I was introduced from mom bringing family it home. Video. Fam, family video. Okay, but were you aware of its existence beforehand? And if so, why did you not see it in the theater? Uh, well, Because I'm judging you a little bit for not having seen it in the theater. Okay, so in Springtown, there is no theater. What? Yeah, no theater. The closest one is in Weatherford, and, and that's a good 20... 25 minute drive which when you're a kid uh, yeah. seems like forever state. Yeah, yeah. yeah so uh that's why i was aware of it because it was a disney film and i have a disney crazed aunt and anything disney she is aware of and okay. makes makes the rest of the family aware of okay it. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. uh i was well well aware of it also living in springtown texas as you can uh, assume there was no ice rinks sure so hockey wasn't big on the radar it was all football uh, as you can expect from living in a small town in Texas. Well, and it's kind of interesting that you say that because, in a way, the Mighty Ducks has elements of what would make hockey become a bigger deal yeah. here in Texas mm -hmm. is because of the appearance of Mike Madonna. Yes. Then with the North Stars while they're getting ready for the state championship right. game. But then eventually, that would be your marquee franchise player for the Dallas Stars. And the appearance of the Dallas Stars is the only reason that more than three hockey rinks exist in the state of yes, Texas. So the Fort Worth Fire weren't doing it, yeah, right? No, no. And I mean, look, I, I've been to, I went to many a Dallas Freeze game, but that wasn't getting the job done either. So Mike Madano, I'll say star of the Mighty Ducks, and his emergence there really 
propped up hockey in the Metroplex and in the state. Also, Basil McRae was in it. That's uh, right. Yes, so. but he didn't make as, he didn't make as much of an impact on me. But I remember the introductory scene where sure. Coach Bombay knows them all because he was the best. Right. But um, this is two years after McDonald's rookie season. Okay. So it's he's right there. He's still a young star. Isn't he still? Doesn't he still hold the the, the record for uh, most goals scored by an American player? Yes, yes. He so does. I mean, I hate to see him in a Red Wings uniform there at the end of his career. Yeah, that lets that last season hurt a little bit. And we always joke with uh, Frank Provenzano, who's yeah. the assistant GM, and he definitely played a part in pushing him out the door. And we always like, oh yeah, it's no different than the time you stabbed Madonna <laughs> in the back. So we like to uh, we like to throw that out there. And I remember chasing the uh, the original. Upper Deck Hockey, the mm-hmm. 9091 Upper Deck Hockey, both the English and the French. And the French, And yeah. getting that Mike Madonna rookie card. It wasn't the primary because you got Yager right. in there, but eventually I became all about the Madonna because that's our guy. But you needed that 91 Pro set too. Yeah, I don't think I opened as much of that. Definitely not because I know for a fact I opened a box of the regular American Hockey and sure. the French Upper okay. Deck Hockey. All right, let's talk about uh, keeping it real. Were these actors believable in the roles that they were playing as hockey players? I, I think this is harder to answer. Like when you look at a Kevin Costner in uh, like For Love of the Game, it's easier because he's, he's a grown man playing a grown man's game. Yeah. These are kids playing a peewee hockey. I don't, I don't know much about peewee hockey. so I think they were because I think they cast them in the appropriate role. Okay. So like Josh Jackson playing Charlie. Mm-hmm. He wasn't the best player, but that's how it was set up is that they set it up that he was the spaz. Sure. And he wasn't the best player. So I totally believe that, because you could see his improve. Like, Charlie is really the metaphor for the team, right? Right. Because Charlie kind of sucks, and the team kind of sucks, and everybody knows it. And Charlie gets better, the team gets better. And so I was inclined to believe that. I'll tell you who I believe the most, as we referenced earlier, is Fulton. Yeah. I thought Fulton was great because they set up he wasn't a hockey player. No, one out of five. (laughs) Yeah, one out of five. But he was big and he could beat you down. And I believed it when I watched him out there. But they all pale in comparison to Cake Eater. Yes. Which I still think is offensive. Adam <laughs> Adam Banks, who... Vincent LaRosso. <laughs> I, I couldn't have told you that was his name, <laughs> but I believed him as the best player in the league because he did look smooth out there on the ice. It's, maybe it, it was editing, maybe it was whatever. He looked good. He was well-groomed when he came into when he came on the scene. That's you know? right. He didn't look like a shaggy dog or anything yes, else like that. which they set up all the rest of them as because sure. they're like, see, they're not going to even have good hygiene. How could they possibly be good at hockey? Which well, is absurd. Here's the thing. I love all the kids. I love all the kids in their roles. I think they were very believable. My fall is Emilio. He's not a very believable coach to me because he's just kind of copying what he knows as a kid. So Gordon Bombay. Here's the biggest issue that I have with Coach Bombay putting aside the romantic subplot. I don't know if we'll get into that or not. If you want to, we certainly can. His Charlie's mom. Mm. She's the worst in this movie. Yeah. I think she is the absolute worst. But here's the issue I have with the rest of the parents. <laughs> all right. 
So later in the movie, you remember they've got that game where it might be the second or it's the second or the third game. It's after they get drilled by the Hawks, 8,000 to zero, because sure. of course they do, is he decides that the best way for them to like pull out a victory or maybe even to tie is to essentially tank right. and get the whistles and everything like that. Sure. So Jesse and Terry's dad gets really mad about that because he's like, I didn't watch my I didn't pay for my kids to do this so I could watch them take a fall. And you're like, really, dude? Because just about two weeks ago, you hired this new coach who's on a court <laughs> release program for getting a DUI. Right. Nobody has a problem with that. I have a real issue with the parents here. So <laughs> this guy is he's booted out of his job short term because he got a DUI and he's on a court release work program. And that guy, they're fine with it. But when he tries to convince them to take a fall in a hockey game, they're like, too far. Too far. Really? <laughs> so that's where you draw the line. Faking an injury in a hockey game, not okay. DUI, well, you know, things happen. I think that's a really bizarre moral compass, and I have a huge problem with that. This is Disney, right? So they had to come up with something. Yeah. I, I guess, I but get, yeah. I have a real issue with that. Okay. And so I just wanted to throw that out there. Like, if we're talking about who's believable and who's not, I, you know, I, I did believe, I did believe Gordon Bombay as the pompous corporate lawyer. Sure. And so I, I, I get what you're saying is it didn't seem like he had original ideas as a coach. I think what really helped sell that is the, uh, is the flashback scenes to him yeah. and his dad playing on the pond, yeah. you know, that kind of instilled my, he loves the game. He'll find a way to figure it out. The triple deke. You, you say the flashback to his dad in the pond. The triple deke. Since we're talking about athletes, is that really a viable... You're, you're, you're close to sports, man. Is that really a viable move? I think it's complete and utter nonsense. Okay. But if I can piggyback on this once more... Okay. The other complete and utter nonsense that goes with this is the original failure of the Triple Deke in the, what was it, the 72 championship? 73 73 championship. championship. So you go to the state championship in 73 where they take second place. Here's the other major plot hole I have with this movie. So the game is tied. Yes. And Bombay has the penalty shot. Right. He does the Triple Deke. It goes off the post. He misses. Well, what the hell happened after that? Exactly. This Hawks team is supposedly unstoppable. <laughs> Gordon Bombay is the best player in the league. All right, why isn't why isn't their coach mad at the goalie who clearly gave up a goal that cost them the state championship? I get it. If Bombay puts it away right there, they win the state championship. But what happened in overtime? Exactly. It wasn't it what it would be totally different. I would buy the story more. Here's what they should have done. I would have made the score five to four, the Falcons or whatever. Hawks. And, well, we got you. No, no, I'm saying oh, the okay. team right. that's oh, playing I, the I Hawks. Got you. I got you. So, like, let's say they're losing five to four to the Falcons. Sure. And so Bombay misses the triple deke penalty mm-hmm. shot, and so they lose right then. And I'm sure. like, 
It's all your fault, kid. Right. And but instead he missed it. It was still tied. We still went to overtime. Right. Whose responsibility is that? That's all coaching. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm just saying, like, Coach Riley is gonna get all fired up about this, but there were other things happening. But that being said, the triple deke I think is nonsense for a grown up, but I could see if you drop that on a twelve year old. Sure. How's he gonna stop that? Not. He's not gonna do it. Well, we saw. Yeah. Because that goalie from the Falcons or whatever other team was playing the Hawks back in the 70s he didn't stop it Bombay had him beat and then you saw Charlie at the end spoiler alert (laughs) when he scores the game-winning goal is that kid from the Hawks he couldn't stop the triple deke although once again coach Riley is he really that great of a coach did he not tell that goalie to be ready for the triple deke right on what did he think Charlie was gonna do jeez jeez so I'm gonna say it right now coach Riley overrated definitely overrated and the, he is the uh, oh now the name's gonna slip me uh, from Friday Night Lights. Coach Taylor coach, is Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights. You watch your mouth, Coach oh. Taylor from Friday Night Lights. The TV show is amazing. no 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 no. Oh, the movie that's fine. You can overrate that, Coach. Okay, I'm gonna tell you my top scene is the Statue of Liberty goal. Love it from uh, when everybody. Fulton digs them all out, and then he softly passes the the goal over. Love that. Yeah, that'd be well coordinated. That I do think. I do think that's that's an amazing scene. My my favorite scene though is and this might feel like such a cop out. Is it's at the it's like the very end. Mm-hmm. Is I love the band Queen. Okay. okay. <laughs> and so you get the you always get the combination of we are the champions right. and we, we will, will rock, rock you. you. If you're lucky, you get another one bites the dust as yes. well. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so I love the very end because at the very end you have like, you know, they're talking about how they're the the champions and everything, but what it really all builds up to is Emilio Estevez is going to go back into hockey and he's going to try to make that dream work because them winning the state championship has rekindled his love of (laughs) hockey somehow basil mccray says come on over to the minors he's like i'll get you try out anytime and so i love that scene right at the bus because like you get closure on so many things not only did they win he's still with charlie's mom and he's still going to be back to coach the team because they're like oh bye coach and he goes don't forget in a couple months i'll be back we get a title to defend. You and everyone's like, to defend. Yeah. And then he gets on the bus and it's like, Yeah. Yeah. And so <laughs> little kid Kevin's losing his mind. And that's even before I realized that Queen is the best rock band of all time. Sure. I'll fight people for that. Uh, and so, <laughs> and so like that song is rocking. And he's like, Hey, don't forget, we're going to defend our title. And so, of course, I'm thinking sequel. He's with the mom mm. when I cared. Now I realize that's a drag on that movie that's subplot and like all the kids are running with a bus like there's so much enthusiasm happening in that scene i love it awesome i think that's that's all good things to end on right there (laughs) well that's not how it's going to go down because i'm going to tell you worst scene because as i insinuated worst scene every single scene that devolves into the love story all right yes like (laughs) i was trying to help you folks but he got it in i mean (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry because let's let's point out Charlie's mom. Sure. What's she doing here? Because yeah. 
she just met this coach mm. and then they like they go out or whatever i can't remember if they're like you know because they're looking at the snow and all mm -hmm. this and that and they start having this conversation you get the sense they've talked like once before in the history of their life sure and so they're having this conversation and all of a sudden charlie's mom is talking about how the dad's out of the picture and how it's important that charlie has a strong male role model, model and you're yeah. like, so hold on are you putting up your guard because you don't know if he's the guy or are you just saying hey the job's open if you want it. I can't tell if she's putting up a wall or if she's saying, come on in, buddy, because he needs a dad. And so, like, there's a lot of mixed signals happening there, and I feel like she's being reckless with her child because she's just kind of putting it out there where she's like, he needs a dad. What are you up to? As a, as a, as a child from a mixed marriage in a broken home, there, yeah, there was a lot of question marks there. I will give you it that. It seems irresponsible, it's, doesn't yeah, it? It's, especially now. Like, looking back then, I probably didn't care. But looking back, going back and watching it now, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if that's the best thing to do. It's kind of the same element that you see in Rookie of the Year. Yeah, yeah. Where, like, Chet Stedman is trying to mentor along... Uh, the kid, but at the same time, clearly hitting on his mom, even though she's obviously in a relationship. Sure. So for like a kid's movie, there's a lot of sketchy social stuff happening with sure. these parents. And so for this one, I think it's Charlie's mom who's like, tries to pretend like she puts up a wall, but one day in, she's ready for him to be the dad. <laughs> and oh, by the way, what <laughs> happens to that relationship in Mighty Ducks 2? Because in Mighty Ducks 3, she's back in the picture. But in Mighty Ducks 2, He's clearly vibing with that assistant coach from Iceland. What happened? And Charlie's still around. Sure. He's got to see this. Does he report back to his mom? Is that why <laughs> she comes back in the third movie? I have so many unanswered questions. Oh, now we need a D4. Yes! Speaking of which... I would watch that movie. It was rumored at the beginning of this year... Shut up! They're going to make another one? That a TV series... In. In, all the way. I'll watch it. Back in January, it was rumored that... Uh, that a Mighty Ducks TV series was in production. So let's see what happens there and how that comes about. Because we need to fix some of the narrative flaws we, in terms of the progression of this movie. Maybe we'll talk about this in another podcast, <laughs> but let's just point out the, the basic narrative progression mistake that they made. In, D in D1, they're just the Mighty Ducks. They win the state championship. Right. In D2, we've jumped all the way to the world championship. So by the time we get to Mighty Ducks 3, D3, mm -hmm. they're trying to make their prep high school team stupid. So clearly what they should have done is D2 should have been for the national champion. Right. And then D3 could have been for the world championships. But because you skip that step, and then D3 is them about them trying to beat out the rich kids at the prep school. Right. Heggy's going to fix this all. Heggy's going to fix it. Uh, speaking of uh, things that don't need to be fixed, we're going to talk about classic auctions here again. They are the world's largest hockey auction house. Uh, go ahead and send me an email, ericn at beckett.com, if you want any further information, or you can visit them at classicauctions.net to uh, check that out as well. They have an auction going on right now, and there's amazing hockey pieces in it, especially with the Hall of Fame coming up. And they're just getting getting in stuff every day, every day, every day. All right. Awards. This was nominated for two awards. Uh, really? Young Artist Awards. Uh, 1993, Outstanding Young Ensemble Cast. Uh, okay. With, with, with all the kids, right? Because these kids are great. Like, especially yeah. for kids, I thought they were fantastic. Absolutely. The, the, the gal, she 
grew up to be quite a smoke show, she I do believe. She sure did. And she was uh, nominated Best Young Actress co-starring in a mo- motion picture Margaret Moreau. All right, so only two nominations, no wins. It, it was kind of a trip. I saw her in some movie down the line. I cannot remember the name of the movie with uh, Saeed from Lost. Sure. And they were like in a relationship or something. I was like, what kind of sorcery is this? You're too old for her, Saeed. And then I realized, oh, yeah, she's a grown-up now, and this all works. And it's just, it's just bizarre, because I was like, I'm watching this random movie with one of the main characters from Lost and one of the main mm-hmm. characters from Mighty Ducks. And so... All right, there you go. Yeah. It, it, is, uh, it, is it Guy that's always trying to put the moves on her? Yeah. And, uh, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, poor Guy never, uh, never got his alone time with Connie, what he was looking for. All right. If you could have any three items from this film, what would they be? I, oh man, I want one of those original Mighty Ducks jerseys. The Banks one, because that was the money one. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. I I would also want, uh, I would also want, you know what, you know what the jersey that I would want though is? I would want the jersey that they gave to- Ducksworth? uh, Yes, to Ducksworth. Because, yeah, like, there's another subplot is, oh, my gosh, we got to get into this in just a second. I'm sorry if I'm derailing things, but this movie's amazing. Is So the guy who runs the law firm who, you know, has told Emilio Estevez, you got to go do your thing. And so he goes to coach the hockey team. Well, you find out one of Ducksworth's, like, big-time clients or friends is Banks' dad. dad. right. And so that's the conflict because Banks, the cake eater, he's the best player in the league, but they redrew the district lines, and so now – he needs to, he needs to be on the Ducks. Right. Well, he doesn't want to play it for the Ducks because the Hawks are the best team. His friends play for the Hawks, even though his Hawks friends are clearly <laughs> jerks, and it seems like he's okay. Sure. And so his hoity-toity rich dad rolls up to Ducksworth, and he's like, "I don't know about this." And so Ducksworth, in the meantime, has sponsored the Mighty Ducks and all this, and he thinks Bombay owes him, and so they gave him that jersey. That's the very first Mighty Ducks jersey. Right. And so, and that's why they're. Called the, the ducks yeah, that's because right. of Ducksworth. So I would want the Ducksworth Mighty Ducks jersey. I really would. And then I would want the Bombay minor league or little kid jersey because right. that kid was the best. What do they say? He swore like 150 goals or something ridiculous. Right. It was 173 goals. Yeah. I want the little kid. Like he's the little Gretzky. So I want <laughs> I want his jersey. And then I honestly I want some of the shards of glass from Fulton making the glass explode. explode. One out of five. One out of five. Yeah, absolutely. Or, I mean, this is a family podcast, but there's some, you know, adult-style material that those kids shouldn't have been looking at. Yeah. So I'm just saying. But, yeah, so I would take the Ducksworth jersey. Actually, you know what? That was Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. Oh, was it really? It really was. Okay, then I would, okay, then I'll take some of the old-school Sports <laughs> Illustrated Swimsuit Editions. Uh, but yeah, some of the glass from what Fulton okay. was busting up. But my number one would be the very original jersey is the Ducksworth jersey. Now, I don't know if you can help me out with this because I think I know is I think the way it went was the Mighty Ducks was so popular that that's why it ended up being the name of the franchise in Anaheim. Mm-hmm. And then D2 was a launching pad for that. Sure. 
But I could be mistaken, and maybe they were already planning that, and that's why they called the team. But the reason why I think D2 was the launching pad for that is, if you remember, they switched back into their Ducks jerseys, Mm -hmm. and those Ducks jerseys that they wear in Period 3 against Iceland, those are the original Mighty Ducks jerseys, and that was the launching point where it was just shameless corporate synergy, which I appreciate. I mean, hey, I already plugged my show right here on (laughs) 105.3 The Fan, so I understand corporate synergy. Sorry, I had to do it again. That's great, but man. yeah. So my number one would be that original Ducksworth jersey. What about you? Um, I'm gonna need the Conway Joshua Jackson jersey. Sure, game winning goal. Exactly. Uh, you, which oddly enough is available. They they sell all the time on eBay. I don't think that's odd at all. That makes sense to me. Because uh, like Conway is the most relatable kid, right? right because right. I mean, not only is he the main character, he's not very good at at first. Like right, Terry right. and Jesse, they rip on him because they're clearly. Better. Sure. And so I think Charlie gets ripped on because he's not that good. Uh-huh. And so we could all relate to that, but eventually he rises up in the ranks and he saves the day. That is uh that is true, yeah. These definitely they're definitely better. Though you know a far more better <laughs> you know a far more logical thing to happen should have been Charlie beefs the triple deke and hits it off the post. Yeah. And then they just go to overtime and they beat and the Hawks in overtime. The and then he can go up to Coach Riley and be like, see? Yes. I'm not going to blame our kid because we stepped it up in overtime. I eh, want there's not enough time for that in the movie. <laughs> I want the 73 second place uh, oh, better. Yeah. <laughs> I need that, yeah. right? Man, how passive aggressive is Coach Riley too when he just stares at that banner? Like, how vacant is your life? Because sure. this movie came out in 92, right? Right. They showed the banners all the way back to like 70. That's another flaw I have with this. They had only won like two or three state championships. It felt like in the banners. Okay, so in the span of what, 23 years, you've won 22 state championships. If you can't get over the fact that that's really amazing, <laughs> then your life is empty. My yes, friend, very, very empty. empty. But that's a good souvenir. We're too. talking West Canaan Friday. Uh, yes, <laughs> empty. All right, and then finally, I want a Goldberg jersey too, just just because of the well, sadness. I'll go ahead and tell you right now, he's probably selling some of that memorabilia. He probably is. He's like Virgil right now, selling pictures. God, somewhere. I hope he made bail. <laughs> I can't imagine he's got a lot of money I, left, does he? I don't think so. I don't think so. All right, since we're talking about the Mighty Ducks, I'm going to do a shameless plug here for uh, Beckett Auctions, Collect Auctions, uh, our eBay store. We have an exclusive with the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. We sell their game-used jerseys, pucks. uh, We have sticks. We have a little bit of everything. One of the coolest things we ever had was uh, Tamu Solani's final career game. We had the, the goalie's mask from that game. Really? And we saw that that went for a pretty penny. I think it was like twelve or fifteen thousand dollars. So crap. Uh, it was. We've had really cool stuff from the Ducks in here, and um, it's been a pleasure working with them. Although, be it you know from miles and miles away, yeah. they're really they're really generous people. They're really cool people. So uh, it's cool to get to see this game. I know this is Beckett. We see cool stuff all the time, but to see game used stuff, especially with a Ducks team that seems to stick in the si- a thorn in the side of the stars. Yes. You know, getting to put it together, I can actually touch it and feel my feelings there. You know, it's the, it's and you I, had playoff gear yeah, and stuff like exactly. that. It's really cool. It really is cool. All right. So, uh, let's do this. Let's end this one. And then we'll talk about, uh, the next movie we're going to do. So 
You said that this movie is amazing. It's awesome. But it, if you want me to bring up another plot point, is that where you're No, I don't, I don't want to do it. I'm going to look at the... At okay, because I'm going to either way. Okay, you go know, ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to either way. Go ahead. Okay, this isn't a problem that is singular to the Mighty Ducks, all right? This is all sports movies pretty much that have ever been made. The team that is the best team always loses, loses. all right? Unless you're you, Dallas Carter. Yeah, oh, well, <laughs> true. But you like you look at the Bad News Bears, you look at the Mighty Ducks, you look at whatever. The the better team always loses. Like there's no question the Yankees were the better team and mm. the Bad News Bears. There's no question if the Hawks play the Ducks 10 times, they're winning at least 8 of those. And so the Mighty Ducks get so much better so fast. So in the first game, like I said, they lose 1000 to 0 to the Hawks. And then in the second or third game, they're talking about they're acting hurt and trying to fake it. And then within like one or two games they pass eggs across the ice and they've already got a tie. Right. Whatever. And then they're able to get into the playoffs and then they're able to make their way and win their way through the playoffs. Like at least in a movie like Necessary Roughness. Is it absurd that they beat the number one team in the state, in the country at the very end? Of course it's absurd. But you don't see them going on a win streak. They get the crap beat out of them all season. And then they luck into a typhoon tie against a crappy (laughs) Kansas team. And then they win. But it's not like you see them win the national championship. You know, like the Mighty Ducks... Not only they go from the worst team in the league to trying to cheat to win to they eke out a tie to sickness gets them into the playoffs till they sweep the state championship. Right. That progression is remarkable. It is remarkable. Is Coach Bombay a good coach? Sure. Is he the greatest coach that ever lived? Well, I guess they did eventually <laughs> win the national championship. So maybe he is, and I should stop being a hater. All right. You good? I'm good. All right. You had uh, to know that was going to happen. <laughs> it was coming. You know me. I know, I know, I know. All right, let's look at uh, ratings on Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb, and then we'll get out of here. I'm going to say... IMD, I'll go IMDb first. I'm going to say 5.8 on IMDb. Six and a half. Ooh. Six and a half. All right. All right. Rotten Tomatoes. 63%. Scroll down. 65%. Close. Because sometimes those kids' movies, they don't get the love. Like, I feel like, you know, the grown-up, like, A.O. Scott with the New York Times back in the day or whatever. Like, is he feeling all the kid feelings that I feel watching this movie? Maybe. Maybe not. But I feel like that's, like, if you had a kid's Rotten Tomatoes, that's, what, 98%? Right. 100% maybe even? So 65% for a kid's movie is... It's... Reasonable. Yeah, for especially for an older kid's movie. Right. Like, I know Pixar reestablished the bar. Yes. And, you know, or you can have a movie like Coco or right. Inside Out where it's ridiculously high. But 65% for a kid's movie back in the day, that's, that's pretty respectable. Okay. Final question. Is this a classic? Yes. Absolutely. There, no, no, no question? question? Okay. All right. And the reason why there's no question is I think if you look at the timing of it all – this spawned an explosion of kids' sports movies. Yes. Because what we're like two years later, you got Angels in the Outfield, mm-hmm. you got Little Big League, yep. and then a couple of years after that, Little maybe Giants. even one year after that. Yeah, you got Little Giants the year after that, and then you got uh, Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might have even been in 93, but it was right about that time. Sure. So Mighty Ducks came out in 92, and the success of Mighty Ducks, you pointed out at the beginning, five times their budget just in the U.S. Sure. That spawned an explosion of 90s kids' sports movies. If you ever wonder why there's so many of them, 
from. This is the movie that, to me, really fired that off. I think this led to, like, oh, yeah, you had the big green. You mm-hmm. had all the Air Bud movies. <laughs> like, I think they're all from this. And the fact that this movie still holds up helps. And not that you need this, but the fact that so many of the kid actors went off to do things in right. the world. right. I think that helps, too. I don't think there's any question this movie is a classic. I think it is a classic, too. I think what really helps us, though, is for the most part, through the trilogy, the cast stayed, stayed together. They did, yeah. You know, that was that was very important. You don't you don't typically get that. And especially with leaders, the leadership of Emilio Estevez leading that whole group there into the other two films. And Emilio Estevez is in the third one more than I recall. Like, I I just saw the third one again not that long ago because my son and I watched all these movies and Hans is back. Remember, Hans disappears in the second (laughs) one. They needed a different guy. Uh, I don't know if that was a salary dispute because it wasn't just for the narrative of it. Uh, But he reappears in the third one and and Emilio Estevez is in the third one more than I remember. I I thought he just showed up and gave a speech and then was gone. But he's there. He's He's supporting the team and stuff. So good for him. I'm surprised. Like, I guess he just kind of gave up acting i haven't seen him in anything in forever he's a producer now and he just sits back and gets that sheen money right oh yeah so uh smart yeah he's real smart i'm sure he's getting all kinds of royalties off the ducks thing as it is you know and then again he's in some of the greatest movies of the 90s in late 80s with you know minute work and young Young guns Guns. one young guns Guns two yeah Yeah. it's such he was amazing back then. Well, then I have to give a shout out to him as well because he is in one of my five favorite movies of all time. Okay. The Breakfast Club. Oh, I, of course. I look, and I love Mighty Ducks, but I love The Breakfast Club like on another level. Right. And so that's one of my five favorite movies of all time. And sure. so obviously he's a huge part of that. So what's that guy's name that did all those movies? John, uh, John, John Hughes. Hall, John Hughes. I mean, you, you got John Hughes money. You're okay, right? Yeah, no, so. I, absolutely. And John Hughes wrote like Home Alone as right, well. And right. So he's responsible for some of the biggest hits that you've ever seen. This so. is a, this, well, in this one, like kind of an adult rated thing. He was in an HBO, made for HBO movie with his brother about the first adult film ever being made. Was he really? What's it, it called? I, I don't know if I've seen that. I'm not sure what it's called, but I'll, I'll we'll, we'll talk about it off air. But like, him, him, the way Emilio and Charlie played off of each other was so awesome, especially on that subject matter. It's it was really fascinating. It was really good. How long did it take for you to figure out they were brothers? Because they didn't. They had different last names, and right. I it boggled the mind that like they're still brothers. Right. And I didn't understand showbiz and all that and like fake names and blah 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 blah. I remember my mind being blown when I figured it out. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Because Emilio Estevez sounds nothing like Martin Sheen. Yeah, no. Or Charlie Sheen. No. <laughs> so, Absolutely uh, not. Evidently, Martin was a Martin was a he was a dude back then. So hey, he's a dude back now. He's <laughs> President Bartlett from the West Wing. That's right. So it's the magic of showbiz, man. I, that is the magic of showbiz. All right, we're gonna wrap this up and get out of here. Um, it is a classic. It's yeah, it's it awesome. is a classic. All right, next film. I'm gonna let you choose. Okay. Miracle. Or Mystery Alaska? I 
think we're going to go with Mystery Alaska. Do you happen to know what that's rated offhand? Uh, I believe it's rated R, isn't it? Oh, dear. Okay. I was just talking with my son about that on the way up, and I said, it's been a little bit since I've seen that, so I'm going to rewatch it. Okay. So I'll, I'll tell you, if it's rated R, I'll rewatch it by myself. <laughs> if it's rated PG-13, I will rewatch it with my son. But I was really intrigued at the concept of this. You know, they're essentially... The grown-up Mighty Ducks, right? right this right. ragtag group that's going to play the Rangers, but AKA the Hawks, right? On on, on their pawn, and they're going to use every all their savvy and advantage to see if they can get it done. So I vote. Uh, I vote Mystery Alaska. All right, we're going to do Mystery Alaska next. Thank you to Classic Auctions for uh, sponsoring and getting behind this podcast. Kevin and I both thank you very much, guys. Until next time, that's a wrap. <laughs>